What's well, good, everybody? Welcome into the Mid-State 48. We're about a week later than we wanted to do this show, but our voices have finally returned. At least Tom and I have our voices back. Scott, you, your voice was fine, so we're not worried about you. <laughs> no. At least not for the voice part. I get you. Yeah. yeah but, uh, <laughs> hey, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up for the year. A uh, lot to talk about from Blue Cross Bowl, Mr. Football Awards, and the National Signing Day as well was today before we recorded the show. So we'll mention some of those kids who got to ink their NLIs to various places around the country. Uh, let's just dive right in. Three area teams bringing home goal balls after the first stop in Chattanooga for the Blue Cross Bowl Championships. And you had DCA in Division II single A. You had Lipscomb Academy in double A. And then Oakland again in 6A. Uh, now, really, we didn't have really good games among our teams. Now, Tullahoma played a barn burner that went to overtime and had a, just an epic finish. But as far as the games involving our teams were concerned, well, we didn't really see a lot of drama. No, they were, uh, you know, they were really kind of that, you know, they were blowouts. Yeah. Or, or appeared that way. Uh, I mean, tied early in a lot of them, but uh, eventually just, uh, you know, kind of faded away. I, you know, some of the teams we thought would, uh, some of the games we thought would be really good games weren't. And then some of the ones we thought that, uh, uh, you know, that would be, you know, maybe a little bit more of a runaway actually, you know, stayed pretty tight, uh, until, you know, just circumstances dictated that, um, you know, you get up one or two scores on one of these, on, you know, is with one of these teams and it's hard, hard to come back. Yep. Look at a team like NBA whose defense had carried the most of the year, and their defense played relatively well against Macaulay, but offensively they were largely shut down. Yeah, that that they were, and that that was surprising because I I thought the the strength of that game was going to be in in their defense, quite frankly. I mean, in their I offense. Mean, in their offense. Yeah, Macaulay just had a had a great run and. Uh, Finished unbeaten with that 28-7 win in the D2 AAA championship game. Another one that I thought would be close was, was DCA and Nashville Christian. Now, these two teams had played in week 11, had it an absolutely defensive grinder of a game in that first meeting, and then didn't quite happen this way. No, no, we no, talked we about that, right? I mean, we were thinking that, you know, this game would probably not be that, but would probably wind up like 21-17 or something like that. Did not see the the dominant, uh, you know, the domination that DCA actually put out there. Um, it, it, you know, Ashton Jones just kind of took over the game, and that DCA defense really was the star of the show. And that game early on, Nashville Christian actually had the momentum early because they turned over DCA on their first two series, didn't score a point on either one of those turnovers. And that's kind of where the game flipped because like the life went out of them after the second three and out. Mm-hmm. And at that point, DCA was just like, eh, it's ours now. And they, they did a really good job of, uh, of shutting down uh, Josh Strickland. Yeah. And not letting him get out. Um, yeah, DCA does depend at some points on uh, getting big plays, and and they did on defense, but they just couldn't turn them into points. And then we 
that Thursday, that Division II AA game, Lipscomb Academy, dominant 27 nothing over CPA. Uh, we kind of saw maybe a one-sided game in this one, but the thing was CPA wasn't out of it for a while until right before halftime. Right, and it just it just seemed to get away from them again. Turnovers and uh, you know bad penalties, I think, plagued them a lot of the game. But really, it just seemed like they couldn't sustain drives. You know, they would move the ball, but then you know it's it's that same defensive mentality. You know, Ben don't break, and eventually the the team you know the drive will fizzle out, and we saw a lot of that in that game and it's, you know, the, the quick strike ability, the, the ability of Lipscomb to be multifaceted in their offensive game plan, I thought was probably the difference in that game. Yeah. That and Alex Broom. Yeah, for sure. We'll <laughs> okay. talk more about Alex Broom a bit. <laughs> uh, and, and also too, in that game, just as efficient as Lipscomb Academy's offense was, they didn't need the big shot, but they got it when they tried it. And that's kind of what we talked about right before the half. CPA had turned the ball over again. Lipscomb Academy scores with six seconds to go in the half and goes up, I think, 20 to nothing and was kind of it for CPA at that point because they were just too far behind to come back against the Lipscomb Academy defense who had played lights out. Yeah, that was a backbreaker. Uh, it really was because, you know, you had a really good chance to go in there just down two scores. Turn attention to f- those Friday games, East Nashville against Alcoa. Let's forget that score for a minute. And I know it was 45-14. But the way East Nashville played that football game, that was a that was a hungry, that was a fearless team that went up against Alcoa and tried to punch them in the mouth. But you, they just didn't have enough firepower to do so. Yeah, and and they did a good job. They did yeah. they did a really good job of getting out there. They don't fumble on that first. You know, they drive down there. They they fumble that first series. They get that ball in the end zone and take the lead. I'm not saying they'll beat Alcoa, but I don't think the score is anywhere near what it was. They played solid defense. And it wasn't just that first fumble. You had two special teams miscues: a block punt and the punt that hit the protector on the next punt, which. After the first one, you probably not you probably shouldn't put your punter out there again after that, given that the game is in risk of getting away from you. And and you know you're right, Chris. We talked about special teams being a key that they had to solve, and they didn't get it done. Uh, their first punt didn't go very far at all, and gave Alcoa the ball in East Nashville territory. So you're right. That entire part of the second the second quarter is where it got away from East Nashville. Yeah. And and it was totally, uh, you know, due to special teams miscues. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- and those kids believe they went out there believing they could they could take it to Alcoa. I think you're right though. Put this put the score away. Look at this game for what it was, and they played a pretty solid game against the Tornadoes. Yeah, and to be honest, if we're looking toward next year, they may want to go ahead and just keep that score up for a bit and let it motivate them. I would now because you know they they understand that that score was not a representation of how they played against a, a better opponent. So Tom, what did you think that uh going into this that Alcoa was going I mean, 
did, you know, did you think that, uh, that Alcoa was going to, you know, pretty much walk this one or do you, well, you know, we talked about this, guys, before or going into the game. I, I sincerely thought that East Nashville was the team that had nothing to lose. They could go in there, pull out all the stops. And, uh, you know, when you said they really come out there and punched them in the mouth, gave them their best shot, that, that's what I expected East Nashville to do. Uh, they had a team with the ability to go in there to do that. And uh, uh, I didn't get a chance really to see any of this game. I got to watch kind of bits and pieces of several games, but didn't get a chance to watch any of this one. Um and like you say, Chris, I agree. You know, keep that score up for a little bit. Let that burn. Let that simmer just a little bit because this is going to be a good East Nashville team coming back again next year. And, well, we all know Alcoa, they don't rebuild. They just reload. So, uh, good chance we might see this again next year, guys. You never know. But uh, a good effort. And I think they East Nashville's got nothing to be ashamed of, man. They went out there and, and gave it their best shot. Not at all. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Hit that one on the head. Uh, I think Jamal Stewart is building one heck of a program over there. I agree with that. That that's one thing I wanted to mention. You know, you know, he's still a very young coach. He's still learning on the on the run here. But what he's built in just a couple of short years at East Nashville, man, that's that's a good metro program that's rising. And if they can just keep that talent flowing into that program, who knows? We could be seeing a resurgence in, in at least another another metro program. That'd be good to see. So, that Page Powell game. The five A championship game. Now, oh man, <laughs> we didn't think Page necessarily had a lot of magic left in the bag after what they did against Henry County, but they had more than we thought. Uh, you know, you let uh, you let Powell get out there uh, up three touchdowns uh, in the first quarter, and you you know we looked at it, and I think everybody, I didn't even think the Powell side was a little bit stunned. At <laughs> at what that score was at the end of the first quarter, and you have to remember too, there was a there was a special teams error there as well. They had a kickoff go awry that Page didn't cover, mm-hmm. and Powell gets it inside the five. Yeah, help lead that twenty one nothing lead. Yeah, you're right, and then yeah, that's the uh, I believe that's the one that uh, Nolan finished off. It was yeah yeah at, uh, but yeah, you're right. But boy, they didn't flinch. They came right back and had a chance to tie it. You know, scoring with 22 seconds left uh, in the you know in the in the in the second quarter, and they go for that two point conversion. And Chris, you've tried to explain to me uh, this two point conversion. You know, I don't know. In hindsight, uh, I mean, in hind- I understand, but in hindsight, you know, was that? Uh, what do you think of that? Something about playing mind games that just seems to backfire. I mean, that, that's what this was. This was this was Paige trying to get into Powell's head that at the half, you're not tied, you're behind, and thinking that it will change the, the way that they go about the second half. But, I mean, you had all the momentum. Go kick the extra point. Go in there 21 apiece, and let's play the last 24 minutes even up. Yeah, because after that, it seemed like they chased that that uh, conversion uh, yeah, for it, a lot it, it of did. the second half. Yeah, it was, um, it was a point they didn't need to chase at all because yeah. all you've got to do is just match at that point. And, and I understand I understand if you get it. If you get it, yeah, you have a psychological advantage. But I don't know that, you know, if the risk is worth the – of course, again, hindsight yeah. is the risk worth the reward. You go in tied, you gave them a three-touchdown lead and you went in tied 0-0. Yeah. Or, you, you know – if you, 
you know, if you kick it and you're tied, uh, if you, you know, so, you know, it, it, it seemed to me that, yeah, we could talk about the, you know, he gets it. And we may be talking about how brave he was. The thing about that whole second quarter was the way they played this, the play that played that quarter. They played like it was the, the fourth quarter, not the second quarter, because you had coaches using timeouts, trying to conserve time with a couple minutes left in the half and trying to extend possessions. They played this like it was the fourth quarter of a game and not the second. Yes. And which was kind of impressive because as quickly as Powell got that 21, nothing lead, it was gone. Oh yeah. And and, you know, truthfully, you talk about impressive. You know, I, I knew that I knew that Jake McNamara could, could throw the ball. I knew he could sling. I knew he could lead. He put that team on his back mm-hmm. because he was scrambling. Powell got, you know, Powell has two defensive players on there that between them had 30 sacks on the season. And he's running around. He's finding players to uh, getting open. He's extending drives with his legs. He willed that team back from the brink. Yeah. And you know, and and at the end they had a chance to 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 tie it, and they just couldn't. You know, that was just like, yeah, okay, you're out of miracles. <laughs> you yeah. spent them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Midnight, midnight finally struck for them at the end there. But uh, it's still a great season for Paige. I mean, let's not oh discount gosh. anything they did because, you know, no. we didn't know what five A was going to look like this year, and and they just took that they took that lead dog role and ran with it in the western side of that bracket. So, yeah, you're right. The folks in Rutter, Rutterville, you know, you know, they've got a great coach. They've got a great program, and and nothing, you know. They're building again. Build, you know, you got a coach that's building something there. Um, you know, he's got good players. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, you know, we, yeah, Jake's going to go on to great things, but I don't think we've heard the end. Of, you know, he's not all the program. No, no, I, I agree with that. I think you'll see more of Paige next year coming back and, and contending again. We'll see how that thing shakes out. And we'll talk about that later on in the show as well. Six yeah. uh, A game. Summit in Oakland, you know, all the star powers there, and they showed out. All of them, all of them did. And but in the end, Oakland just proved to be too much for Summit. Uh, you know that you guys seen uh, both teams, and I, it, you know, it it you know when you when uh, when Summit got out there out front and and took it to them the first time, I thought, you know, everybody was kind of like, whoa. Yeah, you know, but Oakland didn't flinch. They they knew what they had. I mean, these were two great teams, and they were and it was a tight game for for most of the game. Yeah. Um. Again, it it seemed to me like uh, special teams, uh, was a was a problem for uh, or at least kicking was a problem and put them behind on that chasing that point. But, um, you know, Oakland showed. Oh, I think I think the thing about that I, I found most impressive is that is Oakland played this season for this game. I mean, you know, getting Lipscomb in there, getting CPA in there, uh, playing up to competition. I think all that, you know, that that put them in this position. I think if they don't play those games, if they play, you know, just a kind of a tepid schedule. You know, I don't know if they're ready for a summit. That's a good point. 
Yeah, but I, th- I, I think in this game, I think Summit played played very well. But gosh, just look at the just you know we talk. You're going to talk about signing day later, but just look at the number of t- players on these two teams that were that are going to be playing on on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a big number. Um, Tom, your thoughts about uh, some Blue Cross ball action before we hit the break? Well, you know, you were talking about Oakland. I think that's one thing that we've seen from them all year. They've had such a business-like approach throughout the entire season. And in these tough games, you know, they've been down in these tough games. They were down at Maryville, you know, and it's like they don't lose their cool. They didn't lose their composure. Scott, you just hit the nail on the head when you said they've been preparing all season for just that game, and they were ready to go. And even when, you know, early on they find themselves in a hole, they they were just – they were ready for that. I mean, they, they did not panic. They did not press the panic button whatsoever. And uh, just a sign of a good, well-coached football team. You know, I've been a fan of Coach Creasy for a long time. I think he does a phenomenal job. And just uh, uh, that team was ready. And uh, give a lot of kudos to Summit, guys, because I don't think any, everybody gave them a fair shot to be all that competitive this year in 6A. And I think they put together just a tremendous season, a magnificent story. And uh, they may be the story of the year, really, in 6A for what they did moving up from 5A and able to get to the Blue Cross Bowl championship game. I think that says a lot about this program. They're going to be they're going to be tough on the 6A level for years to come. I don't think this is a one-hit wonder by any means. Yeah. Uh, I think you're absolutely right, Tom. I think, yeah, yeah. Summit has it to me. This this game had everything, and uh, I think Summit played an extremely tight game, uh, extremely uh, strong game. It's just Oakland is, you know, Oakland. I mean, yeah. They're they're number one in the state for a reason. Before we head out, let's uh, let's kind of recap our picks from the Blue Cross Bowl and. How we finished up. So Reggie didn't have the best week, and several people asked about him. So want to <laughs> let, let him know. We'll let him get his out of the way first. So yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, <laughs> and which is which is kind of fun. Always fun to talk to to folks about you know about the show and what we do here. And you know, it was nice that uh, some they like they like Reggie. He's got his own fan club, so we might have to start that up next year. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Reggie well, has more fans than probably the rest of us combined, guys. That's, that's what Tom. You may be right. You may be yeah, right. Man. That's okay. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking. I'm. I'm just looking at that entire field of white there under Tom. <laughs> hold up. Hold on. Yeah. There's. He had. A, he had a good week. So uh, we're not quite done yet. Um, Scott, you and I and Drake missed on NBA over Macaulay, and the fans went with Page and lost that one. Drake went with Page and lost that one. Reggie lost with CPA Nashville Christian at Summit. And on page two, the other games that we didn't necessarily, that we didn't cover, um, Tom got his one loss with McKenzie. So, you know, that one surprised me, guys. I got to say, I, I, I just didn't think South Pittsburgh might have been the South Pittsburgh that we've seen over years past. And let's not forget their head coach walked out after like the first week of the season. They had a lot to overcome throughout the course of the season. And uh, uh, 
what was funny is during the course of the game, someone had tweeted about uh, uh, there being five red lights in South Pittsburgh, one for every championship they've won over the years. So that tells me South Pittsburgh's probably about to get a sixth red light to go with their sixth state championship. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, a big win for them. And uh, also kudos to Tullahoma. Guys, this is another team I think was just on a mission this year to prove something. And uh, um, I kept thinking that we're going to slip up somewhere along the way. And just I had a gut instinct feeling about this game against Elizabeth. And even though they were the two-time state uh, defending state champions, Tullahoma gets it done. Hats off to them for a great season. Yeah, and John, yeah. All, you went on top. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, that was a tremendous game. That yeah, was, uh, really incredible, was an incredible ending uh, to that game. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised. Uh, you know, we talked about it. We, we knew that Tullahoma would be competitive, but, uh, you know, I, I was kind of – banking you know the experience over the newbie in that in that particular game i have to agree i was kind of going the same route with them and uh but you know tolahoma deserving champion and first time in school history 100 years of football and all the attention that program out of that finish especially because you can't <laughs> and, write and, any better than that and how about the mic drop for coach olive you know wins first, it drops it walks away i'm out <laughs> State yep. coach of the year on top of that, and uh, what a way to go out for Coach Olive. Yep. I, I just thought that was fantastic. If there's any way to end a career, man, wouldn't you love the perfect ending <laughs> like that? No, yeah. no doubt. No doubt the best way possible to go out. So let's let's wrap our contest up and see how we finished up. Tom, congratulations. So you've got our you've got our show championship for 2021. And uh, the fans finished yeah. second. So and, and then to tell you the truth, and I'm impressed, Tom, because it's not like you just went chalk. Look at the told you so votes over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Aside from the cat uh, who, you know, let's face it, you know, he, he took a lot of uh, flyers. Hmm. Uh, you told us quite a bit. Well, I, I tell you what, guys, week in and week out, y'all know this. It's tough sometimes. Some of these matchups, you can go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, uh, uh, you know, it, as much as you can analyze matchups, that's great. But sometimes it just doesn't compare to what happens on Friday night. And a lot of it's just, hey, gut instinct. I feel like this team, they're playing at home or the trend's going this way or that way. Let's be honest, it's dumb luck. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's about all it is. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Well, it's luckier luck. than better, us. So. Yeah. <laughs> better dumb luck than no luck at all. Yeah. Very true. Very yeah. true. <laughs> and we'll just put a bow on the uh, overall full season picks, too. Not going to beat the dead horse here. So. <laughs> Don't break your arm trying to pat yourself on the back. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. The, just a little attaboy will suffice. I'm so. still in double digits behind the leader. Uh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, though, guys, I mean, the, the three of us almost uh, collectively, Scott just needed a couple more for us all to have 500 right. picked games correct this year. And uh, uh, it, it is tough. I mean, it's really tough. Out of 650 games during the year to hitting around 77, 78%. Yeah. Beat, that's, it's hard to do. So good job. All around us. I like Drake's yeah. Baltimore Oriole-esque 58 games behind there. That's yeah. <laughs> He's for 2022, I think. Now, but he did tell us so on 23 occasions. Yes, so. he did. Yes, let's, yeah. not, let's not discount that too he, much. He's a fan of the underdog. But there's a correlation <laughs> there, Scott. You're right about that. But uh, good job all around on the year. Fun. We'll do it again in 2022. And 
let's just recap Reggie's video picks real quick. He went nine and seven for the season, missing out on the last one where he took Summit over Oakland. So, yeah, and the Oakland fans won't let him live that one down. No, they will not. <laughs> His fan club will not include many people from Oakland, at least not for now. So, well, now he did take him over Maryville and, and, he did and take Riverdale, him over Riverdale so. and Lipscomb Academy. This is true. Yeah, he, he did take him three times this year, but the fourth time yeah. got him. <laughs> Yeah, the fourth, they kind of they kind of took it personally. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, just a little bit. But uh, still fun to have it, and uh, like I said, we'll do it again next year. We will get into some Mr. Football talk and some signing day discussion as well in the next segment. This is the Mid-State 48 powered by 615. Perhaps to stick around. We're back in a minute. Back here on the Mid-State 48, we're putting a bow on the 2021 season. Want to talk about Mr. Football Awards? Real briefly, as uh, three of our local players brought home those awards, uh, Destin Wade in 6A, Alex Berman Division 2 AA, and Marion Brown in Class 4A. And they all came home with Mr. Wall Awards, and congratulations to those three young men. As they're very, all very deserving winners. But uh, I want to ask, uh, Scott, Tom, did any of those winners surprise you? I don't think any of them really surprised me. I, I still go back to Barry on Brown and wondered how he would do just based on time missed during the season. But guys, when he's on the field, he's such an exceptional player, makes such a difference. And uh, I think on the whole, when you look at that, that that's what really stands out about him. And despite the time missed, uh, I, I can see why he ended up being the Mr. Football Award winner. But I did wonder if that would impact it at all. And uh, certainly it did not as he wins it in uh, class class uh, 4A this year. Yeah, I agree. I think that that was the biggest question was, uh, you know, were the uh, injuries and the uh, suspensions going to be, you know, going to impact him? Uh, no doubt that he's got all the tools and and that he is a difference maker. We saw that at the Montgomery Central uh, playoff game. Um, and, you know, there, you know, there's, there's no doubt that he was, uh, that he's deserving. It, it did kind of, you know, it, it may have raised an eyebrow. The other two guys, no, I, I mean Destin Wade has been uh, is pencil, you know, penciled in. The the one thing that I was happy with is that the votes for Destin and Keaton didn't cancel each other out, and the same thing could be said for uh, for Alex Broom. Yeah. Um, you know, that was my concern is that having two players on the same team, you might cancel out some votes, and then somebody else. Uh, but it, it seemed to me that the right decisions, in my opinion, were made. Uh, I think Destin Wade is, you know, has done nothing but uh, played extremely well throughout his career, especially this year. Uh, and Alex Broom has done nothing. I mean, he's added that dimension, that extra dimension to Lipscomb that allowed them to uh, to dominate this year. Yeah. Going back to Brown for just a second, I kind of think that because this is a regular season award only, that might have played in his favor and not against him. Because, yeah, he missed a couple of games from the regular season, but he was he was as advertised when he was out there. I mean, I think he played six and a half, maybe seven games. So he didn't miss a ton of time. And had, had the playoffs probably counted, we might have been talking about a different story because – you know, going out in, going out when they did to Tullahoma, they might have hurt him actually. Yeah. So, but 
it's one of those things that you want that award to be indicative of the entire season, but did talk to Mike Keith about that, and he he actually had a good answer. It's like we can make this a full season award, playoffs included, but we'd have to push the ceremony back into January, which would be problematic for players and, and families alike because when you have especially seniors who are enrolling early, you know, it would be tough to get them back for that ceremony. So but and then truthfully I, I I think a regular season award is is warranted because you don't get you know you get recency bias. When, when you deal with teams that are in the playoffs, you know, somebody goes off in the playoffs for a couple of games and he, you know, all of a sudden he's elevated while somebody who may have dominated all year, but his team just wasn't good enough to make it or went out maybe in the first round or whatever doesn't. And, you know, so you have that extra bias because now you have games that you have extra games in which you can show out. Uh, so I think that, that doing the regular season is pro- the way to go. Yeah, I would agree with that, guys. It's it's kind of like when you look at major professional sports, things like that. Most awards, they're regular season awards. They don't count the postseason. They, they may be something special for a postseason, you know, the finals MVP or the, you know, Super Bowl MVP or whatever like that. But uh, right. I think it is good just to have it for the regular season only. And uh, then if you do want to do something special for the most valuable player of the, you know, of the Blue Cross Bowl or whatever, that that's its whole different uh, thing altogether. But uh, I think it is good. It's regular season only. I, I agree with that as well. Well, it's good points made by both of y'all. Huh? It's uh, good good to have those guys bring home some hardware, though. Obviously, all three very deserving and, and great players in their own right, and all three are among that big class of players who have put their names on the dotted line and signed with colleges this week. And we bring up some signing day discussion. Uh, you know, we talked about the Wades headed to Kentucky, Barry Brown the same way, Alex Broom, Boston College. Um, let's run down some of these names in the list of those players who signed on day one of the early signing period. Fisher Anderson from Franklin going to Stanford. He's a big, big man. Mm-hmm. Saw him at the All-Star game. Yep. <laughs> yep. And you got uh, Jeremiah Bailey from Smyrna headed to Eastern Kentucky. And Hendersonville's Torin Baker to Tennessee Tech. Alex Broom, what, Boston College. Uh, Barry on Brown to Kentucky, as we mentioned. Kane Ridges, Eric Gaston going to Memphis. And you talk about another big dude. Yeah. Eric Gaston is one of those. Bill Gray III from Ensworth headed to the University of Richmond. East Robertson's Taylor Groves to Ole Miss. Riverdale's Elijah Herring to Tennessee. Hillsborough's Jacob Hood to Georgia. Wow. Oakland's Isaiah Horton to Miami. Ensworth's Charles Ingram V to Furman. Oakland's Dylan King to Tennessee State. Beaches Jackson Long to South Florida in a late flip. Now, Tulane was considered to be frontrunner for him. He goes to South Florida after making his decision in the early signing period. Jaden Lyles from Lipscomb Academy headed to Austin P. Answorth's Roland McGee Jr. to Toledo. Oakland's Ethan McLaurin to Tennessee Tech. Raven Woods Carter Miller to James Madison. Riverdale's Alex Mitchell to Chattanooga. NBA's Grayson Morgan to Vanderbilt. Oakland's Antonio Patterson, who had a lot of late momentum in the recruiting recruiting period, signs with Florida International. And CPA's Langston Patterson to Vanderbilt. Ravenwood's Miles Pollard to Michigan. Father Ryan's James Reed III to Arkansas State. Lipscomb Academy quarterback Luther Richardson to Cincinnati. And his teammate Sam Roush going to Stanford. Pages Owen Sachs headed to Butler. 
CPAs Colin Stewart joining Air Force. Destin and Keaton Wade to Kentucky. Middle Tennessee Christian's Alaric Watson to Arkansas State. And CPAs Reed Williford headed to UNC Charlotte. It's a pretty impressive list. Yeah, that's very impressive, guys. I tell you, anytime you can see a student athlete continue their career and continue their education, I still think most importantly. But what I'm seeing, guys, and uh, the three of us have all been covering high school football a long time, just look at the quality and the depth of talent in the state of Tennessee now that uh, even I go back 10 years ago and say we didn't have the kind of depth and quality of talent that we do now. And, Chris, you're naming off schools all across the country that are that are dipping their hat into Tennessee and coming away with some pretty good talent. And, uh, hey, man, hats off to Kentucky uh, yep. getting both the Wades and Barry on Brown. I mean, just those three players alone I, I think are real good gets for Kentucky. And I just I just love seeing a Tennessee high school football being recognized and just some great talent that's going to be playing uh, next year on Saturdays. And I think some of these uh, may have a chance to play on down the road on Sundays, guys. Well said. Incredibly well said. Uh, it, you're, you're absolutely right. I think it speaks to how uh, high school football is developing in the Middle Tennessee area. Tennessee as a whole uh, is is catching up with you know the Floridas and the Texases of the world as far as talent goes. Um, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to be able to watch these, you know, Vanderbilt had a, had a good class or has had a good class so far. Langston Patterson's going there. Um, uh, I think there's another offensive lineman. He eludes me, Chris. Grayson uh, Morgan. Th thank you, Grayson Morgan. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, <laughs> you know, we we're looking at the other day, uh, you know, I'm sitting at blue crossball and I'm looking at, uh, Jordan James and uh, looking at Keith Wade, realizing these guys are going to be facing off against each other. You know, if it's not next year, it'll be the year after probably. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're not, you know, these guys are going to see each other, <laughs> you know, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, they're going to see each other. Yeah. You know, and that is just amazing to me. Now we mentioned James right there. He, we didn't mention him in that list. He is still fully committed to Georgia. He's been told, in various reports, but just they were out on vacation this week, so he didn't officially sign today. But at that, it still looks to be the case. And there's going to be a lot more kids that will sign either in the next couple of days of this early signing period or when the, the usual signing period takes off in February. So not a complete list by any means. There's going to be a lot of names added to this in, in the future, in the coming weeks. So still obviously great to, to see as many kids signing now as – as there are in time you hit it on the head it's just it's blowing up here and and that's kind of part of the reason why a lot of coverage for high school football is starting to, to build up i mean it's one of the reasons why we started this because you know you look at the number of these players who are going to play on saturdays and you can tell that this area is starting to get hot yeah, Dean, it's not just Memphis and Knoxville and Chattanooga anymore either, guys. Like you mentioned, Chris, it's it's in the middle Tennessee area now. I mean, the talent, uh, I talked about it statewide, but when you just even get into the middle Tennessee area now, look how the talent has grown in just a short amount of time. And I think uh, we're going to see that grow even bigger and better. Nashville, Middle Tennessee in general is exploding and in population sense. And uh, I think we're going to see it get better and better in, in a very short amount of time at that. Yeah, and you're seeing kids coming in, like you said, Tom, you're seeing kids coming in from California, seeing kids coming in from Michigan, seeing kids coming in from all over to the Middle Tennessee area to play and not just and not just private schools. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's just a hotbed now of, of talent coming in here with a lot of the migration of population to this area. So it's just going to keep growing as long as Nashville keeps growing. So that's gr- great for the future of high school football, middle Tennessee to see this kind of growth. It, it's only going to get better from here. And, Let's take another break, and we will come back and put a bow on the 2021 season officially and talk about 2022 a little bit, too. So uh, we'll do that right after this break. This is the Mid-State 48 powered by 615 Preps. Stick around with us. We're back in a moment. Welcome back to the Mid-State 48. Time to put a bow on the 2021 season. No, it's not who you got. We're just going to go with some hot seat questions to wrap this thing up and scott since you were so eager to answer questions you're up first who surprised you the most in 2021 as far as teams go um i would say that the team that surprised me most had to be green hill i think that they were you know they came out you know in their second second year and had uh just a tremendous successful season uh I mean, we knew they'd take a step up. I don't think anybody knew how team, how good this team actually is. I think Coach Crouch has done an amazing job with the new program. Uh, and these guys are primed and ready to to carry on that success. Yep. Tom? I, I tell you what, I'm going to stay in the same county and go with Lebanon. Uh, I really was impressed with what Coach Gentry did there this year. They started off a little bit of bumpy, got a loss early in the season, and uh, uh, Cookville, a team that struggled quite a bit this year, actually played them toe-to-toe for most of the game, I think, in week two or three. So wasn't quite sure that uh, Lebanon was going to be all that this year. But, guys, they, they picked up steam about midseason, and they rode a very good defense uh, well on into the playoffs. I thought they had a fantastic season. Scott, I'm with you. I think Green Hill did do exceptional things this year, but I also like what Lebanon did this year, and uh, I think they're coming back for more next year as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go with Station Camp, at least for the first half of the year, because nobody saw the Bison coming out of left field to start like they did. I mean, they had a a scorching hot start. They were unbeaten through most of October, had knocked off a previously unbeaten Mount Juliet team, and then after that game, they kind of fell off the face of the planet. But what they did this year was at least put some life back into a program that, that desperately needed it. What Brent Alexander did up there you know, can't be underscored because Station Camp has not historically been a good program. They've been out of the playoffs for a long time. They've been they had a 20-plus game losing streak almost. And to end all that and to have a good season, yeah, they got knocked off in the first round of the playoffs. But there was life in the station camp program for the first time in a while in 2021. So that'll be my biggest surprise for this season. Yep. Next question. The biggest upset in 2021. Tom, I'm going to let you handle the first one. Oh, boy. You'd hand me that one. That's a a tough one to think about, guys. The biggest upset of 2021. Uh, High school football, you know. (laughs) um, A lot of things go chalk, but. Woo, Chris, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm it, could be, a- it could be more than just like one game. It could be like a region champion or something like that. You could you could throw those out there too. Oh, gosh. Let me think. Wow. I'll uh, take a little pressure off that one. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Scott, if you've got one, go ahead. I'm yeah, having to think I'll, on I'll, this. I'll, okay, I'll, Scott, one, you get one jumps, one jumps into my head, and that is the uh, Hillsboro uh, win over Mount Juliet, the 13-7 okay. to 7 win. Uh, 
in a game that Mount Juliet had to have to make the playoffs. And, um, you know, I think everybody thought that Mount Juliet would right the ship, you know, come in, win, win that game. And, uh, you know, it was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was a week after they had lost to Green Hill, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, that big rivalry game, and I expect, I think everybody expected them to come out with their hair on fire, and they end up uh, getting beat 13-7. to 7. That, to me, was the biggest surprise uh, result uh, that uh, that I had, you know, that I can think of. Yeah. I'm still drawing blanks, Chris. So, <laughs> all, right, all right, there we go. So, for me, it was that second round win by Levin over Riverdale, and part of that was because we had all penciled Riverdale into the quarterfinals to play Oakland anyway. And yep, Levin had an outstanding season, but it's like Magic probably runs out in round two. Not so fast. Now, the Blue Devils were the better team at night defensively. They proved to be superior in that contest, and it surprised a lot of people. Then it kind of turned a lot of heads too toward 2022. It's like this Lebanon team, you know, we look out for them next year because what they did to Riverdale and they didn't, they didn't know fold against Oakland, just got beat by a better team. But winning that game did a lot for Lebanon's prospects, not just this year, but beyond. I do, I do have an honorable mention. Okay. Chris, and that is Hampton's win over Trousdale County. You just stole mine, Scott. Thanks a lot, because I just <laughs> Tom, Tom, you, Tom, you go, you go with it, go with it. You know, man. Hampton was a team, honestly, uh, that uh, I, I, you know, I cover Monterey and some of the teams in the Upper Cumberland, and I thought actually Monterey uh, had a very good football team and had a chance to beat Hampton in the first round, and that didn't happen. And I kept looking at Hampton as a team. Okay, they're not going to make it past this round, this round, and they kept proving me wrong and wrong. And I know this is a East Tennessee team, but Trousdale County, I was certain would get them. I thought Trousdale County honestly was on a mission in Class 2A to at least get to the Blue Cross Bowl. But uh, Hampton, yet again, they sneak in there, and I think it was something like 22, 20, 21, 20, something like that. And uh, they ended up pulling the upset over Trousdale County. And, and I was just stunned by that to see them making all the way to the Blue Cross Bowl. In a game, Trousdale County led 20 to 6 with six minutes left. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I'll throw that in there for sure. Now, folks in Hartsville don't want to talk about that. But, you know, hey, 2022 might be a good year down by the Creek Bank. It very well could be. And, in fact, Let's talk about 2022 for a minute. Teams to watch for next year. And if you've got more than one, throw them out there. Well, I think Trousdale's going to be one to watch again this year. And again, they're on a mission. They're hungry, man. It's been a while since they brought a gold ball back to Hartsville, so they're yeah. definitely hungry. I go back to Lebanon again. I just love the way Lebanon finished the season. Jalen Abson's going to be back uh, for his senior season, I believe. And uh, uh, with that and uh, just – the strides and the progress this team made. I think they were playing with a lot of confidence. And just to throw one more out there, just uh, uh, kind of as an honorable mention, Green Hill, what, look at what they did this year. What are they going to bring back next year? I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yep. Yeah, I've got I've got two. Uh, my first one's Nolansville. Uh, you look at that roster, that roster is just full of sophomores and juniors this year. Uh, there are three skilled players, uh, Colby, uh, Colby Walton, Samson Johnson, Chance Fitzgerald—they're all going to come back for their senior year, and uh, you know I think that that team is is going to make some noise in in their region. I think they're a team to watch. The other team that I that I like, 
I'm interested to see what they do is Blackman. Uh, I want to see what they what they do in year two of uh, Coach Tiger's uh, system uh, when they've had a full year to absorb it, uh, to condition for it. Um, I want to see what uh, because I think that 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 team is was kind of just kind of got it and went into shock a little bit uh, and adjustment. I think this team's going to actually be much better, much improved than they were this year. Scott, you managed to steal not one, but two of mine. <laughs> Congratulations. You hit the nail on Nolansville with Samson Johnson, Chance Fitzgerald, Colby Walton all coming back. That offense has potential to be lights out in 2022. If their defense continues to improve like they did over the second half of the season, Nolansville might be a favorite in 5A next year, and I don't know that that's necessarily a stretch. Um Let's see. You stole one more of mine. I stole Blackman. You stole Blackman. Yeah. Blackman. Yeah. If Blackman could get anybody with defensive experience to play that side of the ball, there's SEC talent on the offensive side. They've got to improve even a little bit defensively to make the playoffs. If they can make a bigger jump, they can challenge and be toward the top half of that region in 2022. So with you having stolen two of mine, I'll throw in two more. Ravenwood's one for me. Because you've got Chris Parson coming back at quarterback for a senior year, probably on a mission to try to win Mr. Football, because to be honest, a lot of years he would have been a finalist given this stat line. And Will Hester will have that team ready to go in another ultra-competitive Region 7-6A that could be theirs for the taking. Gordonsville's the other one, because they return a lot on both yeah. sides of the ball from a team that, had it not been for South Pittsburgh, we might be talking about them in the Blue Cross Bowl, and maybe 2022 is the year that they actually get over the hump and beat the Pirates finally. So that's one to certainly watch for in Class 1A. And you brought up – bringing up Gordonsville reminded me of one other one that might be a team to watch for in Smith County. Uh, they improved by leaps and bounds this year, uh, and Coach Dyer has a team believing. It's going to be interesting to see what year two of that uh, – of his uh, – regime does yeah there's a ton of there's a ton of size up front on that on both lines for smith county and that's going to be a big deal in 3a for them especially that's true and guys i'll tell you you go from week one to week 10 and what coach dyer did in that short amount of time in the regular season alone i was so impressed with the the strides that smith county made i'm like you scott i'm interested to see what happens in year two yeah yeah that's 2022 will be on us before we know it but uh we're going to take a little bit of downtime and try to dish out some postseason awards on the way out. Um, look for that stuff on our website, 615preps.com, and then our social media channels as well. We'll take a lot of December and a little bit of January to get that stuff out and uh, honor some of the best players from the 2021 season. I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to spending some time and just not doing a whole lot other than that to be honest it's been a fun year but it's also been a a, a grind too and you know, that's what makes it honestly enjoyable is just getting out there every friday night and doing it yeah so, yeah well time for one last word for all of us for the 2021 season so let's uh, let's learn the graphic real quick scott kick us off well yeah it, it's that time of year, uh, you know, it's, you know, the Christmas season, uh, you know, we have so much to be thankful for. And you look at, uh, uh, you know, 
the storms and things of that nature that uh, occurred. Um, you know, we we just need to, you know, give where we can, be grateful, um, and and remember those people that um, that lost so much uh, in, in all the storms in Kentucky and uh, in West Tennessee. Um, you know, it's you, you just never know. And you know, the great thing about Tennesseans is that they tend to. Uh, join together as communities and and support each other. You see it every week at football games. You see it every week, uh, you know, in whatever that they're doing. And, you know, it's a volunteer state for a reason. You know, we all look out for each other. So, you know, this Christmas, uh, when you're when you're giving, think about those families. If you can give, if you can help, if you can donate, uh, it's great. Um, you know, uh, so you know this this. Uh, this uh, Christmas season, this holiday season, uh, just help where you can. But uh, thank you so much for supporting us. And uh, guys, I'll turn it over to you. Tom, I'll let you go next. Well, I want to echo what Scott said. A lot of thoughts and prayers going out uh, to our folks up in uh, Kentucky, western Kentucky, with all the devastation there and uh, throughout the state of Tennessee, west Tennessee, some spots here in middle Tennessee as well. I think I saw a graphic earlier today that uh, December 2021, we've had 20 confirmed tornadoes, and I believe maybe from the 1880s through last year, there were only 17 combined, so it's been a very unusual, very tragic month. So a lot of thoughts and prayers going out uh, to those folks. And, uh, yeah, Tennessee is the volunteer state. and know a lot of people are stepping up, but continue to pray for all those folks out there. And uh, in wrapping up the football season, just a huge thank you out there to the student athletes who play the game because they love the game. A uh, big thank you to all the coaches out there for putting in so much hard work, the coaching staffs out there uh, for dealing with the folks like uh, us three guys and the media. It's, it's a lot of work and, uh, you know, it's not a well compensated job in a lot of cases. So thank all the coaches out there, the moms, the dads, the grandmas, the grandfathers, family members who get their players to and from practice who come out uh, during game days to support these student athletes. A big thanks goes out to you. It's what makes the Friday Night Lights oh so special each and every week. And I know the three of us and a lot of folks out there get so fired up by the time we get to late July because we know high school football is right around the corner. And uh, high school football still football in that purest form. They play it for the love of the game. And I also want to thank uh, you guys, Scott, Chris, for the opportunity to come on board with 615 this year. I've enjoyed every minute. Uh, my plans kind of changed along the way and uh, didn't get to get out and cover a lot of games like I'd like to, but uh, being part of the show and uh, uh, some of the stuff I've had a chance to do. Guys, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Well, we've certainly enjoyed having you on, Tom, and uh, certainly thank you for hopping on with us whenever you've been able to. I know, like you said, plans change. And, you know, yep. To be able to hop on and talk football with us, it's still a lot of fun. You're certainly welcome back next year as well. So, thank you. Yeah, thank we you. we do appreciate your uh, consider, consider your contract extension extended to you. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, I mean, quite frankly, we need we need class and we need respectability. And Tom, Lord knows, Chris and I don't have it, so we appreciate right. you. Uh, <laughs> Giving oh, I the, thought you were talking about somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I would crack a joke about Scott for that one, but I'm not going to going to right here. Uh, well, he's he's certainly much. right. He's certainly right. So, uh, I guess it's my turn to close this thing out. And I want to say thank you first off to to you, Tom and Scott, for helping us with this every week. It's been nothing but a labor of love. And 
it's been a lot of fun along the way, and we are not done by any means. You know, 2022 is going to be a big year of growth for us. We've got some plans. Actually, in the spring, those of you listening in Williamson County, you've got a girls' flag football league coming up, and we plan on covering it. We're going to treat it just like we do Friday night football, and that's important to us. I know it's important to you, and uh, look out for more about that in the future. Uh, we've talked about uh, a lot of things happening with the tornadoes in, in western Kentucky and west Tennessee and in the Bowling Green area as well. We don't want to forget those folks either. Uh, just a difficult situation with some rough weather the last – couple of weeks and certainly our thoughts and prayers are with everyone affected by those storms. It's just an awful deal. But I come back to football as family and 2021 really kind of showed that it is one big family. You have kids that were affected by COVID in 2020 when we had a full season with not a lot of, not a lot of, um, not a lot of problems with COVID, you know, with games being canceled. Yeah, it was still around, and it still is. But everybody came together to try to get everything in the right way. And in that part, it was a a major success. And when we turn our eyes to 2022, I'm hopeful that now this area is just going to keep on getting better from a talent standpoint. We've talked about it in this show that all the talent coming through Nashville and Middle Tennessee is just going to keep growing and getting even better and better. And it, it's so much fun to get out on Fridays and cover these kids. And when you have players like Alex Broom <laughs> coming up after after the game saying, you're the one I want to talk to, and that's, that's, there's nothing like that. That's a good feeling, you know, when, when kids start to watch us and, and see what we do and have fun with it. Now, that's a good feeling. Um, I'm rambling on, but the main thing I want to say is thank all of you who have supported us through this year and the, the first three years of this venture and hopefully you'll continue to support us in 2022 and beyond because we don't plan on going anywhere and i want to wish all of you a very happy holiday season and a happy new year to you and your family hope it's safe hope it's healthy hope it's a lot of fun because we want to see you back here supporting us in 2022 as well so with that said for scott burton for tom duggan for everyone here at 615 Preps, thank you so very much for making 2021 our best year yet. But the best is yet to come. We'll see you guys in 2022. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Go enjoy the holiday season, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a Be lot. Be safe, everybody. We certainly couldn't get out of here without thanking our sponsor for this season, Innovate Medical for their support of the Mid-State 48 and also to our Player of the Week sponsor, the First National Bank, for their support. And we hope to have more sponsors come on board in 2022. So if you are interested in potentially sponsoring 615 Preps coverage, reach out to us at 615preps at gmail.com for more information or visit our website for more info there as well. Thank you to all of you who have watched and listened during the year. And for us, that's a wrap. The Mid-State 48, powered by 615 Preps, is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC.